Hey everybody, this is Papa Bear. Welcome to the Papa Bear Podcast. So, we're ending up the year. 2018 is coming to a close. I don't know how your 2018 went. Mine was mine was okay, you know. I look back, recent years, 2016 sucked. I, 20, I couldn't wait for 2016 to, to get over with. We had... Uh, you know, just a lot going on across the nation. Personally, um, you know, we we had a, a death on our family. It was just probably the worst year. 2017, honestly, I don't even remember it. I guess that's good if you don't remember. But 2018, <clears throat> it started off crazy. Started off, you know, a lot of faith, a lot of, a lot of challenges. Uh, but, but you know, some good things came out of it. We had two, uh, we, we produced two shows for Facebook Watch. That was exciting. Took us to new levels, producers. Uh, got some, did a lot of consulting in the political realm uh, with the midterm election. So, did a lot of that. That, that kind of took us from, I think, August up till October-ish. And then... November and um, December been kind of quiet, a lot of development stuff, you know, prepping now. So it's kind of, you know, so, so it's coming to an end. It's, it's, we're at the tail end of it. Uh, This is the last day. I do want to growl about some stuff. There's, I saw yesterday, yesterday was Sunday, so I didn't want to jump on, but got to get this one off my chest. I thought, you know, uh, I saw on the news about the women's uh, march <coughs> up in Northern California. Excuse this cough that I have. It's going to kind of bug you for a couple episodes probably. But up in Northern California, there was uh, the women's march. They canceled it. And the reasons why. Now, now let me let me just kind of get behind this right away. I have a wife and two daughters that are all female. Got that? So I am pro-woman. I want my daughters to succeed. I want my wife to succeed. I don't want them to be underpaid because they're women. I don't want any of that kind of stuff. I want them to do whatever they feel like they need to do and their purpose and their call. So whether it, you know, uh, whatever industry it takes them into. So I'm pro woman, believe me. Uh, My mom's a woman. I have two sisters that are women, so I want them to succeed. I've got nieces uh, that I want them to succeed. So I am pro-woman. I have a lot of uh, adopted nieces that I love to death, and they. Uh, I want them to succeed. I want them uh, edu- educated. I want them as CEOs, as entrepreneurs, as whatever they want to be, filmmakers, um, music moguls, whatever. I want them to go to the top, and I don't want any man to get in their way, especially I don't want no psycho perverts to get in their way because this daddy has no problem getting in there and kicking someone's butt breaking someone's neck if they ever do anything to hurt one of the women in my life so so just just to lay the groundwork on where i am with women and their uh opportunities and any challenges that they face so getting back to the woman's march there's so many things that they that real smart women, let me lay that out. Smart women need to do some research on that because I read a lot and I'm looking at it. <coughs> and the reason that they canceled the uh, Women's March was it was and I, I want to find the um, the exact article. Um, 
because just the the reason um, is because it says California organizers cancel women's march for being too white. Now, <clears throat> think about that. The California organizers cancel women's march for being too white. Now, if I read that, I'm like, how stupid. Why don't these people wake up and recognize, you know, what, what is this stuff all based out of? And so I want all the women in my world, okay, all the women that 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 know me as either dad, is oh, only one knows me as husband, uh, brother, son, Uncle Johnny, you know who I am, okay? I want you to think about it. If you're going to get behind these things, do some research. Don't get caught up in the, in the, in the, in the excitement of it. Now, when the... <coughs> marches came out yeah they were exciting let's get all these women together and let's wear these pink hats i think they're supposed to be nipples or something i don't know what they are but they wore these funky pink hats and let's go out there and, and you know rally for women i'm down for that rally for women do it but to me you know me i'm not gonna just hold back we'll rally for all women whether it doesn't matter what their ethnicity is rally for the unborn okay rally for the uh, elderly women rally for everybody, not just who you think uh, that you're supposed to, not just what's popular. Now I get it. I'm Latino. I'm I'm not white. But can somebody defend these white people? Someone needs to defend these white people. Think about that. I mean, I, listen. I'm where I came from. Taking a drink of water. Back in the 19, late 70s and 80s, I was in junior high and high school in San Jose. Now, San Jose was primarily a Hispanic city and a white city. That's all. And I was raised on, in the barrio side of San Jose, right there. If you're familiar with the, the DMV on Elma, um, that's, that was my hood. We used to call it Barrio Libre Locos. Uh, I went to Washington Elementary School right off of Elmwooden Avenue. I lived off of Elmwooden Avenue. Uh, right now, I'm writing a horror Actually, I'm developing a concept for a horror that I'm, that I'm going to call 1151 Amadine Avenue, uh, based on my, my story. So that whole area is very dear to me. So I was raised in a Hispanic neighborhood. I went to, you know, the, my elementary school. It was <coughs> probably 99.9% Hispanic kids. So from preschool on up, I did one year at Santee Elementary School on the east side. That was all Hispanic. Then the rest of my time in elementary school was was in Washington. It was all Hispanic. And as far as I was concerned, the world was brown. Everybody was Hispanic. The church we went to, Sacred Heart Church, for a while. That whole time, my elementary years, when when we went to church, it was Sacred Heart right there on Willow Street. Everybody was Hispanic. I mean, it's just, I think that the masses were probably in Spanish. Um, I went to catechism there. (coughs) Uh, I was going to become an altar boy. I didn't, thank God. Mm. For uh, for other reasons, you know, that happened in that church, I think, I don't know, but it just didn't happen for me. Um, but um, everyone, I went to, even when we started going to a Protestant church, um, Templo Elin, that was Hispanic. So as far as I was concerned, the, uh, the world was brown. When I got introduced to uh, a non-Hispanic world is when they would bus us from my part of the neighborhood, they would bus us to junior high, and the kids that we were in sixth grade with, we got split up. Some went to um, Markham Junior High, which where we went to, 
And then the others went over towards, uh, I don't remember the name of the school, but they eventually went to Lincoln High School and some went to San Jose High School. But I went, you know, we started off at, at Markham Junior High, which is in Willow Glen, which is a white side of town. So all of a sudden I'm going from playing, you know, recess, dodgeball and so on for, on recess elementary school to all of a sudden I'm just thrust into this white school where you had classes and breaks and you know, you, you'd go in for lunch, you get a cheese bread from the cafeteria if you had the, the free lunch tickets kind of thing. So that school, Markham, was primarily white, uh, sprinkled with a couple of Asians. I don't remember any African-Americans. If there was, was maybe one or two. Uh, but for the rest, you know, we were Hispanic. So it's probably, you know, I, I'm, I'm guesstimating that numbers, but maybe three, four hundred Hispanics. Maybe 1,800, 1,500, 1,200, I don't know, whites. But anyways, the ratios were, were, you know, we were small minority. That's where my world changed. Now, I'm going to talk about the Women's March, but what I really want to talk about today is, can someone defend white people? There's nothing wrong with that. Now, in here, I'm going from Browntown, Washington Elementary School. I'm thrust into Markham and... Now, for the first time in my life, I'm around white people, and I'm kind of like, what the heck? Whoa, these are white people. Hello. I've never heard the name Cody before. That's pretty nice. Uh, you know, what's your name? You know, Susan. And, you know, they, there wasn't Maria and Lupe and Rosa or in, in Mario. It was, you know, Cody and, and Biff and so on. And so here, I, I was thrust to this different world. No big deal, okay? All I wanted to do was go to class and go to recess. That's where I was, you know? And I'm in this one class. It was wood shop. And granted, everything was so brand new to me. So I remember that the teacher, you know, I, I was used to one teacher, Washington Elementary School, Mrs. Schultz. She was my one teacher the whole year. <clears throat> now you have like five or six teachers and you change them every quarter or every semester. So now here I am in, in Woodshop and the, uh, I don't remember his name, but the Woodshop teacher, big guy. And he gets, he tells everyone, okay, get a piece of wood, stick it in this vice. I didn't know what a vice was. He showed us how to use the vice. We get a piece of wood and then you get a file and you just start filing the wood. So that's what I'm doing. So here I am. I'm like 12 years old and I'm like, you know, uh, this is seventh grade and I get my piece of wood and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. And my, I was so innocent to how life was. I, uh, you know, I twisted my piece of wood on the, on the vice and there I am filing away like all the other kids. And then this kid comes behind me. Now he had a real big puffy winter jacket. Now I look at it now as a stoner jacket. So if you know what stoners are back in the 80s, you know, it's probably a little de different definition. But this kid was a stoner, <coughs> which I learned what they were later on. But at, at this point in time, it was just some white kid. I was in seventh grade. He was in ninth grade. Back then, Markham was junior high. It was seventh, eighth, and ninth. Willow Glen High School was 10, 11, 12. So I was seventh, eighth, and ninth. I'm in the seventh grade, 12 years old. This kid who's a ninth grader comes up and he walks behind me. And he shoves me with his left arm. And I remember I'm, I'm filing away. So as he shoves me, he sh hits my right arm. And I kind of put the, the, the file and I scrape my wood. And I just kind of looked up and I'm like, oh, excuse me, my bad. You know, I didn't say my bad because you didn't say it back then. But I, I remember I was being apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry for, you know, being in your way. And I just apologized to the kid and I kept going. I remember the dude looked at me like I was nuts. And I just kept filing away, you know, it didn't even phase me until the kid was coming back 
And now he's coming towards me. I'm still filing away. And here comes this, I remember the, the rust color uh, stoler jacket. It was like a winter jacket. He bumps me again, but this time a little harder. And then he says the word that I've never heard before in my life. He says, spick. And I'm like, what the? And I'm like, what the heck is a spick? And I, I just thought to myself, did he say speck? Did he, what did he say? And I just kind of thought, oh, wow, that was a little harder. And I just looked at him again. And I said, oh, excuse me. And I just kept working. And then he called me the word spick. And in my mind, I'm like, what does spick mean? And I just kept working. I mean, that was totally innocent to this. I didn't, it, it didn't phase me that this kid was trying to start a fight. Class ends. I'm walking down the hallway now of junior high. I understand. I'm still, I think that I'm still wearing, you know, graphic t-shirts and jeans that I probably slept in. I mean, I'm just a little boy. My shoes are tore up. Now, my older brother, he was in the ninth grade. He was on campus with me. He was already there for two years. He knew what was up. <coughs> so he was hanging out with the Cholos. There was a group of Cholos out of that group of Hispanics that were being bussed in. A group of them were Cholitos. If you know what a Cholo was, look at, you know, the wannabe Latino gangsters. But they were they were young, but they were still gangsters. And they, uh, that was my brother hanging out with that group, part of the barrio guys. So I'm walking in the hallway and then walking towards me now is this same kid with his stoner friends. Now they used to wear these hiking boots with, they're like brown hiking boots with red laces. And there's a group of them now walking towards me. Now I'm looking down at my schedule like, okay, where do I go now? I don't know this campus. I'm kind of looking like, where's the playground at? Where, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And, you know, where, where, where can I check out a dodgeball? You know, I want to play tetherball. That's where my mind is at. Who can I hang out with that's, you know, like me that just wants to play? And then all of a sudden that same kid comes and now I have like a wall of white stoners coming at me and they pick me up. One grabs me by one arm, the other one grabs me by the other arm. They throw me against the lockers. And I'm like, and I remember I dropped my books and I'm like freaked out. By this time now, they throw me up against lockers. I bang my head a little bit and my eyes are wide open. And I'm like, uh, I didn't cuss, but if I cussed, I would have said something like, what the blank? But I was just stunned. And I'm staring at these people and I, I probably look like, like a lost puppy freaked out staring and hear these dudes. And I hear the word again, spick. And then they said some other choice words. And I'm like, uh, uh, and I was stunned. That was the very first time I ever felt any kind of, or been experienced any kind of racism. Not just racism, this is physical racism. Uh, nowadays they call it bullying. You know, back then we just called these dudes to try to start some bellow, you know, and, and they just threw me against the wall, the lockers. I remember hearing the bang of the lockers. I can still remember that now. And he, the, he looks at me and he says, he says, spick. And blank, blank, blank says some other choice words. And, <clears throat> and I didn't know what to do. Thank God. Thank God. My brother and his cholo friends came up behind them and they had them surrounded. And then all of a sudden this thing turned into a stare down. And there's some pushing and shoving. They, of course, they dropped me and pushing and shoving and the cussing and, and calling you know racial words. You spick, you stoner, you hunky, you white trash and you know they're your beaners I don't know I don't know beaner I think I like the word beaner better than spick I think spick 
leans more towards the Caribbean, Puerto Rican. Beaner is more Mexican. So I think I affiliate more with beaners. So those words were going back and forth. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And it was my first time I, my world changed because all of a sudden I, I felt racism. Guys, that was a long time ago. That was back in the 80s. I still remember it. I don't have an emotional sting anymore. That's just a story because I got over it. We had a lot of racial tensions in those schools, Markham and Willow Glen. We were, were, especially in junior high, for some reason, it was ingrained in us to fight the stoners. To We eventually had to get in on it. So eventually I had to dress like a little cholito myself and had to claim Barrio Libre Locos. And I had to be all, all a part of that. It wasn't really me, but I had to. And here we were getting into fights with the stoners uh, because they want to hang out under the bleachers. And that was our territory, I guess, for lunch or whenever. And so we had to go and have some stare offs with them and pushing and shoving and stuff like that. And <coughs> they had their their type of cars and we, well, none of us drive, but we always talk about the cars we were going to drive. We wanted lowriders. They had their hard rock music. We had our uh, lowrider, uh, cholo, oldies music, East Side Story music. And we had boom boxes that we would blast our uh, oldies music. And they had their music blasting. It was just this rivalry, kind of like uh, the werewolves and the vampires, you know, in, in Twilight. And we just had this rivalry going for a long time. And racism was very, very real. It robbed my... My innocence of the world when, when I was living in Browntown, and now Browntown is what I called my elementary school, and everything was different now. Now all of a sudden reality sets in. It changed the way I looked at life. Now all of a sudden there's racial slurs coming back and forth. Uh, we didn't have too many black African Americans uh, in our in our. Uh, campus so there wasn't a whole lot there was one guy named Kevin but he hung out with us poor guy probably had to uh hang out with us because you know he was on his own so we know we included him when he was more like a black skin so he was half Mexican half black kind of guy so he hung out with us uh and we just had these racial tensions going on now today to see the organizers of the women's march saying they're gonna not do their whole thing for women because there's too many white women involved to me, it's like, can, can we freaking get over this stuff already? Can you just, can we just let go of the racism? Now, what's happening now is there's a lot of reverse racism. There's, it's all reversed now. I get it. So we're, you know, Latinos and, and African-Americans and, and others are, are, are being empowered. I get it. We are empowered. We're more educated. You know, my family, my grandfather came across illegally. And he was here illegally. And we, you know, we, uh, he, he was in the military. He was in World, uh, World War II time. My uncle, my godfather, he was in Vietnam. My cousin was in Vietnam. My other cousins were in the Coast Guard. Our family paid a price. And we now we're all legal. I was born here, so I'm legal. Um, and there's a point where we just have to get over this racism stuff. Get over the fact that that if someone's not the same skin color, that you're better or different or, or, or you have the right to abuse them. And what's happening now is, yes, as Hispanics and blacks, we went through hell. My grandfather, he marched with uh, with Cesar Chavez. He was part of that movement as well. He was he taught us big time on Chicano power, Chicano power. And 
we, you know, they worked in the canneries. My mom worked in the cannery. My grandfather, he oversaw a lot of the cherry orchards in San Jose and Montfrino Ranch. If you're from that area, you probably know some of those historic references. My mom, my aunts, they all my uh, they all worked at the cannery there on Ray Street. Right now, I think it's a Safeway in a big plaza or something um, off of Meridian and Race that area. And we were, you know, we I, I, we know we all know what it's like to have some kind of racist attacks. But for us to reverse that curse now and start calling people. Uh, by their white skin color and say, we're not going to do this rally anymore because this rally is supposed to be about women unless you're white. That, to me, is like reverse racism. We're, we're being just as guilty as they were to us. And you, honestly, some of you younger kids, you guys have no idea what racism is. To you, it's just something you've been seeing on TV. You've never been called those, uh, those words. You've never been pushed against lockers. You have no idea. And I don't even have something to say. Even though I have those experiences, they went on for a couple years. <coughs> Nowhere near what my mom went through or my grandfather went through or when it comes to African-American community, what they went through. So right now it's a whole different ballgame. So let's just reverse the curse by not saying anything about anybody that's another race. It should be pretty simple. So you're not all these women are trying to be progressive and we're progressive women and we're going to rally together. Oh, too many white people. So you know what? No, we're not going to be progressive. We're going to actually reverse back all the way back to the way it used to be when everybody's racist. Can you imagine if, if, if there was a rally going on and they said, oh, we're going to have a women's rally. Oh, wait, too many black people signed up, so we can't have any black women. Oh, too many Latinas signed up, so we're not going to have it. Because you know how crazy that would be? And then for all these white women to say, yeah, I'm going to go to the women's ride because I'm going to support my, my ethnic sisters and blah, blah, blah. And they say, oh, no, we don't want you here. To me, that's like, that's like you're just reinforcing the racial divide that's already split this country apart. It has to stop. And it has to stop with someone like this generation. So whoever it was that made that call and, and whoever the leaders are, the women's march that, that are, are trying to make this a racist thing that are saying we don't want... Jews involved, we don't want white women involved, we don't want you know anyone with uh, uh, other biblical values involved, well, whatever it might be, you're not helping at all. So I'm talking to all of my women in my world. Do some research. Reverse the curse. You want to be a part of the solution? Then don't call someone out just because they're white. Don't use the terms white privilege. That's to me is the stupidest term. Oh, it's because of their white privilege. You know what? Okay, I get it. Historically, white people, yeah, they they <coughs> they came across, they made some money, they they put some wealth together, and they're passing it down. Okay, you know what? If it was all Hispanic, we would have done the same thing. If it was black, they'd done the same thing. So just because they beat us to it, okay, they got it. Now it's our turn. You want to go get yours? Go get it. But don't try to take it away from someone that their ancestors built for them and just because they're white you want to take away and say oh you didn't earn that so what if they didn't earn it their parents did or the grandparents did and they inherited down that's what the bible talks about is that a good man gives an inheritance to his children and his children's children so it's totally biblical to leave your children an inheritance whether it's money or whether it's position or whether it's uh, uh, opportunities that's just what we do naturally as parents so go and smacking someone just because they're white privilege, white privilege, white privilege. You need to get over that. 
Create the privileges yourself for your children, for your family. You go out there, work your butt off and work hard. My, the, the best advice my father-in-law ever gave me was, you work so hard that it takes two people to replace you. And I've tried to live by that rule. I'm giving that rule out to everybody that's listening right now, all three of you, that if you want to do something and you want to make your mark and then you work so hard that it takes two people to replace you, then you'll be able to create privileges for your children and their children. And quit smacking other people that just because they they have something that you don't, you get all jealous and green and jelly bean because uh, they were quite privileged. So you know what, yeah, I, I'm defending white people right now. Even though I was thrown up against a locker by that punk, he's two years older than me. So if I saw him right now on the street, guess what? I would have no idea what he looks like. I don't remember his name, so <laughs> I'd probably, we'd probably be friends. <coughs> There was something cool about that time period is junior high, I always tell people, in junior high, we fought each other. But in high school, we got to Willow Glen, 9th, 10th, and 11th, we, it was different. You know, I, I came to a conclusion like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I was cool. I didn't want to be all full of hate. I was more like how Michael Jackson says, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And I... Uh, there's so much to that joke. I should take that joke out. But anyways, I, um, in high school, my sophomore year, I had a 53 Chevy pickup and it was metallic blue. My, my hardworking mom, she bought it for me for 400 bucks. So she swapped it out for something. It was like a 53 Chevy pickup and <laughs> we had it painted. It was a cool little low rider car. It's a pickup. I would, I was during lunch, Willow Glen, we had open lunch. So I pile guys in the back of the truck and we would go to McDonald's. And, uh, and you know, get lunch or whatever, we cruise around. But I was so much into cars, I knew a lot, you know, about those cars. Today, I want to know what to do with the car. But back then, those kind of old cars, I can, I was, you know, I was really good at what I did. I could tune them up, I can fix them, I can do their engines, uh, brakes, whatever. And so, in auto shop at Willow Glen, I don't even think they have it anymore. I think my teacher's name, I kind of think his name was Mr. Hilton. I was his assistant. He asked me to be his actual assistant. So for two years, I was, uh, I had all the privileges of the auto shop and these same stoner dudes, they're all getting older. They have their cars. They're wanting to learn about their cars. So they're an auto shop and I'm the assistant teacher. Uh, guess, guess who they needed help from me. Right. I remember there was this one stoner kid. I don't remember his name. <coughs> But he was like a punk in junior high. When we would we would get in stare offs or throwdowns and all that, you know, he was always right in the middle of it. But I remember one particular day when we were in high school. He still had his crazy stoner boots, red laces, hiking boot kind of look, and the, they would always wear those big winter jackets, even though it was freaking hot. They would still wear them. He uh, he came up to me. He said, and I did first, uh, I didn't even know he knew my name. He said, hey, Johnny, can you help me? And I'm like, huh? I thought, like, okay, we're going to throw it down again. What's up? And, hey, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, I can't figure this out. So we go to his car. He had, like, a Camaro or something. <coughs> Pops a hood. And it was just his timing. His timing belt was off. You know, the timing was off. And uh, he had just replaced the timing belt and the timing. He couldn't figure it out. So I, I went in and I fixed it. Made his car hum. Just perfect. And he was like so appreciative. He was like, thanks, dude. And obviously from then on, all these stoner dudes with their cars, 
you know, he said, dude, that dude, you know, go, go ask Johnny, he'll help you out. So there are times that I get these guys hit me up. Hey, bro, can you help me with my car? Yeah, dude. And we became friends. A, a lot of them. I mean, we were cool. We were cool. We were all of a sudden, the, the same dudes we fought in high school. I mean, junior high. Now we're hanging out. We're, we're, we're friends in high school. And and it was it was cool because we found something in common. We all like good running cars. And that little bridge changed everything. The other thing was they needed something from me. I had a knowledge and a skill with cars that they didn't have and they needed it from me. And I had no problem giving them whatever I had. They needed something, I provided the solution and they just created a bridge and we just became friends. We never had those racial tensions. No, we still had fights. We still would have some 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 skin on skin issues once in a while, but it had nothing to do with race. Maybe because of a girl or something. But it was never because of race again. Because we all became friends. So instead of calling people out for their skin color or you want to do a rally about women except white women, you know what? Just don't be a divider. Quit dividing. Quit using these social justice causes to, to make the divisions we have in our country wider. Just freaking love people unconditionally. Just love them unconditionally. Doesn't matter what race they are, what gender they're born with, or what gender they turned into. I mean, they're human. If they're human beings, just love them to death. Hang out with them. Be friends with them. Whatever their eternal issues are, that's between them and God. You just be a vessel of love for people. Just love humanity. And if white people want to rally with you, don't think that that's a bad thing. Defend them. People around your world are, are smacking white people and calling them white privilege and all that divisive words. Stand up to them and say, look, you're the one that's being divided right now. If they start saying, you don't know the racism my grandpa went through. That's your freaking grandpa. Your grandpa went through that. He paid a price so that you can have a better life. And you're trying to bring in the curses of the 40s, 50s, and 60s into today. Well, don't do that. Let's reverse the curse. Let's make racism over with, starting with us. You got to do it one person at a time. You can't do it with the whole big movement. Because obviously when big movements happen like that, Someone's going to say, oh, there's too many white people. Oh, there's too many Jews. Oh, there's too many Christians. Oh, blah, blah. You know, you start dividing people up because of their race, ethnicity, and so on. All you're doing is dividing. And the house divided will not stand. So that's my groundings. We're coming into the end of the year. This is the last day of 2018. We're going to walk into 2019. Tomorrow I'm going to share a verse with you that God gave me. And I think that's going to be for whoever wants to listen. But to, tomorrow's 2019. Now, it's another day. It's just another day. But it gives us all an opportunity to start all over. So let's leave 28 behind. Leave all the racism behind. Leave all the pain behind. Leave all the failures behind. Leave all that stuff behind. And let's walk into 2019 brand new and ready. And let's approach it like we're going to win because we are. I want to. I want to. So I'm going to go full blown. Go full-blown with me. Let's just do it. Because what are we going to do? Fail? I've failed enough in my life. And I'm okay with failure. So I'm ready to go all the way. I learned this one thing. The moment you give yourself permission to fail, nothing will ever stop you. So give yourself permission to fail. And go forward. 
because now all of a sudden the fear of failure is gone and there's nothing left but success. All right, that's Papa Bear's growl for today. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Share it. We're on Stitcher now. I want to welcome those people from Stitcher. And uh, we have other platforms that are opening up to us. So uh, we got some things moving. So, yeah, share it out. If you like podcasts, hopefully uh, we're having some fun with this. And uh, let's walk into 2019 as winners. Talk to you later. Happy New Year, everybody.